Hi, everybody. It is Monday, June 13th. And on today's show, we are talking about the ever-revolving door of women's college basketball and the transfer portal. We are going to go to the East and talk and head into ACC country. It starts right now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's College Basketball Correspondent at The Next. So happy to have you here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am so happy to be joined today by M. Adler, one of the outstanding journalists that covers a multitude of things at the next. And that not only is college basketball, but also the WNBA and the Seattle Storm Beat. But M also has the luxury of living in the great state of North Carolina. So right in the heart of ACC country and no one better to talk to than M. So M, hi, how are you? Well, always excited to talk about the ACC, uh, one of the best conferences in the country and certainly, certainly going to be really exciting this year. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start in your home state. So let's start in North Carolina because we've got four schools of part of the ACC universe that reside right there. Let's start first with Wake Forest. A lot of change going on at Wake Forest. They let Jennifer Hoover go after 10 years as the head coach there, a former alum at Wake, but they now have a new hire. What are you hearing maybe on the streets, if anything, about what's going on in Winston-Salem? With Wake Forest being the smallest private school in Power 5, I can't say that I have too many sources there. It's certainly an interesting turn for them. You know, they, let, they let go of the head coach, as you said, and for what Wake Forest is, it was a really surprising move. They are not a school that is going to be contending for you know, NCAA appearances. One here, one there is big deal for them. Consistent WIT appearances is an accomplishment. You're limited by size, you're limited because you're stuck right next to the triangle and the big schools that are there. But you're farther away from that center of talent and you have tighter funds, tighter budget, versus some of these that sort of thing. Given the fact that they had a play, they have still have a play like True Spear, and the moderate success that they've been having, relative to their own standards. It was a surprising move. If she's in the middle of their contract, that's a school that doesn't have that much money to buy people out. They had to buy her out. So I am, it's quite interesting to see what might emerge or certainly what direction they're going on the whole Absolutely. Okay. So let's now, let's start um, with NC State and UNC first. And then we'll talk about uh, your school and where you reside. But first, NC State, this is a team 32-4 and four last season. Westmore obviously is building a dynasty, so to speak, at in in Raleigh. But I think the question is, when you take a player like Elise Kunan out of the lineup, 
what happens. But they he has been so good in finding, no pun intended, those diamonds in the rough out of the portal. And someone like Diamond Johnson, who came on the scene last year from Rutgers to NC State and was an impact player from the get-go. Of course. It's they're gonna have problems. They're also gonna be good. Let me make that clear. They've they've really run the run the ACC in the past couple of years. And it's I don't want I don't want to say it's another reason because people definitely outside of the ACC for sure what they're doing. But it seems that inside the ACC it's somehow what appreciated. Last year at, at preseason media day, uh, we had a number of head coaches like Jeff Waltz, like Bill Fortner, uh, Neil Ivey. Many head coaches were talking about how strong the conference was, and really was. It was a very strong conference last year. We were talking about how the conference champion could really end up having like four or five losses just because of the depth of the talent. And I remember before the season, I turned to a couple of other Duke women's basketball beats, and I turned to Mitchell Northam, another ACC reporter, next. And I said, I think they're crazy. And Mitchell and I agree, they were crazy because NC State looked so good coming into the season. NC State ends up winning the conference, those regular season uh, conference titles with uh, just two conference, I believe, two conference losses. They're not going to do that. Like you said, they lost her name. But she's not the only starter they're going to miss. Morgan Green and Bryce is gone. The two, one of the best two way players in the country in uh, three and D guard. And Kai Crutchfield is gone as well. There's. A lot of holes to fill, let's say. They're going to have a really good backcourt next year. You not only have DJ, DJ like you mentioned, but you also have Jerry Chucky Turner, who's you know, just a really steady, polished presence there. And you're adding one of the best transfers in the entire tonight, Rivers, a real slasher. It's what when you clash ball forward out of South Carolina. She's had some dynamism. She's going to have some real rim pressure to a team that desperately needs it. They brought in a stretch for maybe Collins out of Maryland. And like you talked about diamonds in the rough, one of the ones who had been looking at is uh, River Baldwin out of Florida State. She's a solid back to the basket scorer. She knows where to be on defense, so she can at least you know help plug and play in the system. And uh, Camille Hobby, who was Canadian's backup, she's a very serviceable backup. She could be she could be a decent, certainly playable starter. A rotation player with ball for the defensive offense. They're going to be interesting. They're going to contend, but certainly they're no longer really running much. Yeah, I think they are. As you said, they're going to be one of those teams where I don't know if it's necessarily going to be surprising people. However, maybe not as dominant as we have seen them in the past. Now, if we go to North Carolina, which had maybe one of the youngest rosters in the country last year, but they finished twenty-seven and twenty. 25 and seven and Courtney Banghart kind of figuring out exactly the type of player that she wants. They haven't been or made as much of a slash in that transfer portal, but I think one of the biggest news stories that people have been following in college basketball is the fact that Carly Littlefield will not be back at North Carolina. And what kind of hole does that leave and how do they fill it? Yeah, I mean, it's bad news for them. Probably this really steady presence in the ball, and she makes good reads. She can get the ball against you. And as a shooter, she's just dynamic. Obviously, you know, it sucks that they're not going to have her back. On the bright side, you have a number of rising sophomores played the past couple years, including Deja Kelly, after looking really just like she didn't know how to get the ball in the 
efficient. Right? This is not efficient, but efficient here. Was able to really improve her three point shot last year. Two point shots not great. She's able to get the ball again. She's able to get the ball in space. She makes good reads. She's at, as the combo guard. She's quite well off the ball. She's she's a hell of a point attack. This event is really important. When you have a, when you have players like this, uh, when you have how can we top Lindsay Birds last year? They're solid players. As far as the portal, funny enough, they haven't really done anything with no. that experience of probably Littlefield. It seems like they're really relying on internal development and just that sort of thing. I shouldn't say sort of to make up for that lack of federal leadership. They have a have coming in first year for but what they do have is they have uh, a couple 63 players in Tiani Key and Caleb McPherson, who were both really well regarded. McPherson was around 25, he was a deposit top 10 last year, but they were both hurt and did not play the freshman season. And getting length, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They're not adding a whole lot of hype for another couple years, but they're going to have. Well, and I think that North Carolina is one of those interesting, as you said, haven't done a lot in the portal, but it's also maybe a different kind of philosophy that you don't necessarily have to go and just sign, sign, sign and gather out of the portal that what you do grow internally, kind of that grassroots mentality can be the long term sustaining that Courtney Banghard's looking for her program. If we flip the switch and just go, what is it, eight miles from Chapel Hill to Durham, I think, right? Is about that's what everybody says. It's like eight to ten miles. So if we drive to Durham and to your uh to your institution at Duke, it wasn't a fantastic season last year for Carol Lawson, 17 and 13. She did go to the portal in that COVID season and in that time, and she went heavy into the portal into that first season maybe not necessarily the outcome that everyone thought they would have. She's continuing to build through that portal and utilize it. What does it look like heading into this 22-23 season? Yeah, so you know, when you want to build a program, you can do a bang on it, which is they brought in some transfers. She brought in some transfers early on. A couple of those were returning players who left because of um, the problems that Hatchell was affecting towards the end of her tenure. But if you're not immediately recruiting at that you know, top two, top five, top ten national level, which Boston has made it there, but if you want to contend immediately, you're not the move for, for multi-year rebuild, dip into the corner. She brought in a number of players last year who, you know, I've had my mate culpa. I thought they were better than they actually were. They had some problems there. There wasn't, And one of the things you run into as well is when you bring in so many different players from so many different backgrounds, roster cohesion is really tricky. Duke didn't have that last year. They are retaining a number of players who retained last year. When you go through something like that together, you, you build some sort of some sort of chemistry together. You have those problems. They are still in the I probably on most occasions gonna call them the Duke Beavers this year. They brought in two different front court players from Oregon State. Essentially once Oregon State's Taylor Jones with that ACL injury and a third grade to the Duke's running and retired in their front court. Join their director of player development and recruiting, Andy Goodman, who was an Oregon State Duke legend. Former teammates, Pat Carr is Dale, 
who's like a four, she can be three. Kenny Brown, she's a center, one of the better rookie kickers in the, in the country. And this is a team that really needed, really needs solid all day. Really needed to, it's really just needed some help on, on both ends. Players who were able to, you know, do the little stuff on both ends because they had standout point of attack defenders last year. They had excellent uh, offensive guard play. And they need they need a couple of players. Adding good protection, exactly what they needed. Adding a bit of shooting on the in sort of the combo forward scale, like having exactly what they needed. That stuff. They also brought in a rising sophomore out of Georgia, Blake Richardson. She's a long wing defender. Uh, who's gonna who, who should help them in some decent ways defensively. This is a team that I think can play some truly excellent defense. If they want to be able to score, then it's tricky because they're going to be relying on some some high-profile freshmen. They're going to be relying on some freshmen on some previously inefficient guards to, to handle this one. All right. So in our next segment, we are going to talk about two more ACC teams, one of which was at the Final Four and one which was making a run before a very tough loss to another um, as well. Okay. But first, do you find yourself consistently signing up for subscriptions that are impossible to cancel. Never pay for an underwater subscription again with Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you do not need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions, so you do not have to. Over 2 million users and has helped save them $1 million with Truebill. So don't fall for the subscription scam. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash go right now. Truebill.com. It could save you thousands of dollars. Truebill.com slash locked on. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. The ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th in three days. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked on NBA big board draft experts plus the Audacity insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. All right, M. Adler, two teams that I find always fascinating every year. They're going to be in the mix, but one we know because they're coming off a Final Four run, and that is the Louisville Cardinals. Um, I think a little bit kind of like Wes Moore is, is that it seems like every season Jeff Walls just finds that diamond in the rough. He finds himself the right type of transfers. And he also gets the other people on his roster to buy in, to bringing those people in and finding that cohesion. Um, where does this group go, knowing that they were 29-5 and five last year, made it to the Final Four, but it's going to look a little bit different when you take out players like Kiana Smith, Chelsea Hall, and Emily Aster, who's really made a splash in the WNBA? Honestly, your guess is as good as mine, because I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to see what happens in this group. Like you mentioned, you're losing Emily Eckler, the number four overall pick. I had her fourth on my draft board. She was dynamite last year. There's there there was no better front court defender in the country, or 
I should say there was no better front court defender in the country at defending the, the entirety of the court. And she really ran that game. Jeff Waltz, he's one of the best coaches in the country at adapting his schemes to his players, and they completely overhauled what they were doing on defense last year to really feature her ability. With she's less than six one, I'm convinced her wingspan is at least six five. To really feature her all over the court because she's a point of attack defender, she's a help defender, she's anything. She really ran the show there. Chelsea Hall was a hell of a chaser in the point of attack defender for that guard. And Kiana Smith is just one of the was one of the most effective shooters in the country for two years. Who are they bring out a couple names. Morgan Morgan Jones is real good out of Florida State. She's a good scoring uh wing, which is nice dude's got that lane. She doesn't really play to that but it does allow her to get off that jump shot and be blocked out too easily. She had scoring, she had a little bit of creation, but it's you know it's not it's not exactly making up for Angela Smith. They're also bringing in uh, just a solid game managing point guard, Crystal Carr, who's at Texas Tech before she went to Syracuse last year. But yeah, Morgan Jones is working on quite good. She's a good two-way player, I like. But you know, this, this is a lot of high inflection to replace. They have a big freshman class coming in. You have you have like Four or five composite top seventy recruits, just in terms of in terms of our composite work. It's headlined by the number twenty-nine, uh, in Alexia Mobley, and number thirty-seven, Ella Harris, number forty-nine, Zion Walker. Some of these players are kind of tall. It's all no nobody's too small, nobody's too big. That's the problem that they've had for a couple of years. So they they have their work cut out. They're gonna be talented, but they're in a big Absolutely. I mean, I loved Emily Inkster's game. I just think she brought so much to the floor and she was an impact player for them. But I think my, I think one of the people that made the most impact for them was Kiana Smith. I when especially watching them uh, in person up close in the NCAA tournament during their sweet 16 and elite eight. I mean, they were just so much better when she is on the floor and that is tough to replace whether it's some of those younger players that were freshmen last year moving on or the incoming class. I think there are huge shoes to fill there. All right. Now, one other team in the ACC that just is intriguing to me because of both players coming in and players going out via the portal. But this is year three now for Neil Ivy at Notre Dame. And I think if you ask anybody, say, you know what, you've got all the tools in the toolbox to get the very best talent and very best players to Notre Dame. So what does this look like going forward for this for the Fighting Irish? And can they continue to kind of build back up to where I think the expectation is for the success of this program? I'll go on with a little bit of a link. It is distinctly possible that where they go is they have one of the four or five best top six, top seven rotation in the country. We've seen what they can do. They are returning everyone from the starting lineup. They are losing and the first three players I'll mention are Mike Peoples, Sam Brunel, and Matthew Nebraska. Right. Nebraska didn't really play much. She's the kind of player that I describe as being good at the things that you don't want to do at all. Anaya Peoples is a solid power guard. You know, she's had, she's had good screens. She crashed the boards when she needed to, and she was effective for her height. Again, she's not someone who's adding a whole lot of value to a team. Sam Brunel is someone who a lot of people like. 
shooting over the years. It's Carbilling really is a, is a tall shooter. Look at her shooting over the years. The, the hype at this point, it's been two or three years, it's still theoretical. So again, they really are not losing much with that. They are bringing in. Pretty impressive. Bringing Lori, you know, Texas is starting center. She's a big body. She doesn't necessarily, she doesn't necessarily jive perfectly with how Maya Dotson played last year, which you know, is flashy, it's long, it's rangy, it's all over the court. It's really charging down the lane. Evo's a back to the basket presence really on both ends, but that is a way of styling that given how some teams in the country constructed, you want to be able to play. Outside, we're bringing in Kylie Watson, just a really solid big out of Oregon. There's stuff to lock in her game. She's, she's got pick and roll capabilities, which they love to run their pick and rolls. And there's every chance in the world that she could just be that solid big A player who we thought was going to be that sort of long-term center for them, 6'5", then Alicia Marshall. This one is a rising junior, and she's been able to first two years. She's really high profile, but you know, injuries just haven't worked out for her. One of those, a couple of good freshmen. There's a member of Kai Bailey's or Akinaze before, but more importantly, they bring them for another year in a row. Uh, a top 20 uh, so combo guard, one guard, off one guard, tough to tell from the scouting report. But uh, the composite number 14 in KK Brands for Cincinnati. She's supposed to be a good shooter. And look, this team, this team can do a lot of offense. Yeah, they're going to be, I mean, I think they're loaded. And I think you have, you had two freshmen last year that really kind of came onto the scene that made their mark nationally. But then you add some of these other pieces and having seen Lauren Ebo in person, she will work. I mean, possession after possession. If you don't do that for Vic Schaefer, you don't play at Texas. She learned how to do that. And I think of also seeing Kylie Watson in person and just love the physical makeup that you see there. I mean, she is explosive and strong and will very much, I think, be one of those kind of players that if they could get in that pick and roll game and find some action, that she can take up space and she could score. And that is what you're looking for in that game. And it kind of comes back to that pro style a little bit. And that's what you're seeing, I think, and what you might see a little bit more out of, out of Notre Dame. All right, so we are gonna talk about two more schools that have kind of interesting trajectories in just a moment when in our next segment. But we also want to say that Bet Online is our number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. So you can find all of the latest sports developments, news, odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, which the Stanley Cup starts in just two days from now, Major League Baseball, which is hot and heavy, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. You can also find WNBA information there. That will keep you on your toes. So head to the website today and use your or use your mobile advice device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, M. Adler, um, let's go north a little bit first from where you are and let's talk about virginia tech they were 23 and 10 last year they have one of the most dominant and i think well-rounded all-around centers in the country uh 6'4 elizabeth kitely but she needs help 
And it seems as though that they may have been able to do that with probably one of the top transfers that entered the portal landing in Blacksburg. That's, that is certainly correct. So what, so just to, just to pull back the curtain, uh, we're talking about point guard Ashley Luce out of Maryland right here. Ashley Luce, who for some reason, the national awards have decided as a shooting guard, which doesn't make any sense. She's been in the assistant leaders for every year she's been in, uh, she's been in college. Anyway, she's coming back to Virginia Tech here. She's going to be here for, I believe, one or two years. I think she'll have two years. That's I think she'll have two years because of the extra eligibility in the COVID scenario. Because that, that pendulum is still swinging and slowing down, but I believe she's going to end up with two years now. Yeah, that's all. The thing about her game is that last year she was clearly hobbled and, and injured and not herself for most of the season, really. There's so much to like about her game at the college level. She is, she, her court vision is incredible. Her ability to get to her spot in the mid-range and just nail everything from the elbow from the free throw line, she does a jumper, is nearly unmatched. The way she can take anyone off the dribble, get there, pull up, turn around, got it. And that's something this offense hasn't had. This offense really has not had someone who you can, you know, you go through the for 16 seconds of the clock and you don't do anything, you put the ball in someone's hands, or in someone's hands and say, hey, can you get a shot here? That right now for the team is Ashley Bruce. She is pretty much directly replacing Asia Shepard, sort of a combo, guard, off-ball guard, Leading scorer in tech history, five years there. Uh, the second round pick by the Las Vegas Aces this year. And, you know, year in, year out, Shepard was, without fail, one of the most lethal shooters in the country. And that really, really worked with Kenny Brooks' style because he's someone who likes to spread the floor and run a lot of off-ball screens, run players off screens, run players downhill, uphill, run a lot of different funky actions and it results in a lot of open threes, a lot of open shots. And that was right up Shepard's alley, that was her specialty. That's right up uh, Georgia Amor, who is their point guard, and will split duty with Lucy. That's right up her alley as well. That, that was it for Kayla King, their combo forward, and kind of trailer. It was a wing they brought in from Purdue last year. Trailer, by the way, uh, is coming back for another season, so she's going to be... They're going to have a lot of better leadership as well. They're also, so yeah, Owusu does not necessarily conform in that, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that system works. Another high-profile transfer who doesn't necessarily conform with that as well is Taylor Soul. They're bringing in that combo forward from Austin College. She's a decent defender, but offensively she's money from the mid-range. She, she crashed the boards well. She sees the floor. Very good. She's also someone who's not a point shooter. She's kind of replacing his own who functioned as a sort of occasional combo or occasional power forward, often like a backup small big. But, but Soul's not, Soul is not going to be someone who just plays 10 minutes a game off the bat. She's good. And she's and she can score. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting as well because like you said, is is when you have um you know a player like that who's coming back and and for those additional season, that that's also part of this whole transfer portal movement and craziness that we've seen over the last few years is that some teams don't necessarily have to go get as much quote unquote experience out of the portal because they've got it coming back on their own roster. So it looks different in other places and people don't necessarily put that piece together. 
But somebody using that additional year now really can make a big difference in that experience factor. And for a team like Virginia Tech, I see them not being towards the middle. I mean, I think this will be a team that will contend at the very top of the ACC this year. Yeah. All right. So now let's go back south and hit the bottom of the ACC trail down there um, in Florida and at Florida State. Now, such an interesting story because after 20 plus years, uh, Sue Samarau has decided to retire. You know, she was not on the bench during that COVID season uh, to deal with her family issues. She came back last season. Brooke Wyckoff has been um, a, a familiar face with Florida State women's basketball, but it is different when you are an assistant, an associate head coach, and even the interim head coach. It's different when you actually sit in that head coaching chair. So now Brooke Wyckoff takes that position there at Florida State, and they've had people, if we've noticed, even some interconference transfers going to other schools within the ACC but looking for grad transfers, looking for experience, what do you think that this Florida State team looks like heading into 22-23? By their own historical standards, rough. Look, it, I ju we just talked about Virginia Tech and how good they've been and how good they're going to be. And they were really nothing until Kenny Brooks arrived and helped get that program up, really. And sports are zero sum game. Every time someone wins a game, someone loses a game. So for one program to rise, another program has to fall. And if you're looking for the biggest faller over the past decade, that I mean, Florida State, Florida State was, you know, it's not that they've just been like continually getting worse over the past number of years. I mean, they were, they were ranked in the top 20 at points to Kai Gillespie's two years of tenure there, back in 20 to 2019. And they were a good team, but you can look at the look at the direction that program and see, you know, it's for now, its best days are behind. It's still good. Brooke Wyckoff is a really good coach. We've really known we've really moved coming for a while. Like you said, in the year that Sue was out, Brooke was the acting head coach. She has been right by Sue's side for a number of years. She really has been almost splitting head coaching duties for so it was actually surprising to see all the transfers that left. You know, grad transfers, you should really never be surprised by any grad transfer going somewhere. Just because you know, degrees are what they are, or one year rental is what it is. But they had some undergraduate transfers that ended up going to attend places went down to USF. So that's, it was a little you know, surprising in that sense. So they're going to have some younger players taking the reins. They came along the road with an they started playing the younger players. They will be interesting in a sense to see how great they can make that talent because it is talent. Absolutely. I think one of the other things as we look at a couple of the grad transfers that are coming in, just announced just a few days ago, Brianna Turnage, who is coming, I think she had spent time at Virginia Tech, coming into Florida State. Um, but I think the two that are very interesting to me is Jasmine Messingill from Kentucky. She had priorly been at Tennessee. We know that she's a scorer. I think she had a very good year at Kentucky. And then the one that I find to be intriguing and whether or not the game will transfer in the way they want it to is Taylor O'Brien. She comes from Bucknell, averaged almost 17 a game as a scoring guard there. 
can that game transfer? It is that one of the bumps that this Florida State team is going to need? That is a good question. Because when you talk about someone going from the school like that, I have no idea. I see right. the number. It, it looks good. There's some talent there. But I frankly have, you know, it's hard to just much harder to score going from there to the ACC. But frankly, I have no idea how to transfer that. I sort of just say, hey, look, we're scoring. And I wish I could tell you. Jasmine Massacre is interesting. You know, they're losing the sort of combo guard slash wing handling that the Alvin Jackson took care of. So, Jasmine Massacre is very much sort of college combo guard. She was overtaxed in Kentucky like most of their talent matches because the awesome part from Ryan Howard they didn't have that top end talent, so everyone else had to play up a bit. Sort of, so, you know, she'll be playing among more. Guard talent, so she'll be able to be off the ball to shoot her more, which will be good for her to secondary playmaking and passing. She's offered, you know, that's that's good veteran leadership. Someone who's been in conference championships, been in Sweet 16, just to really help stabilize the ship while adding good basketball. All right. So for all of our ACC friends out there, we know we didn't talk about all of the schools, but these were some of the ones that have really, I think, caught my eye that you and I have talked a little bit about that just have. Uh, question marks, but will be, I think some of those teams are going to rise to to the top of this league. For those that haven't found the daily briefing at the next, please do, because it is the, the brainchild of M. Adler. So seven days a week, you can find the daily briefing. It is an amazing compilation of all information that you need, not only about the college game, but also the WNBA, which is hot and heavy right now. So in just a quick Second, M, who covers the Seattle Storm beat, tell me what to look for this week for the with the Seattle Storm. Seattle Storm this week, it's interesting because they don't really have too tough of a schedule ahead of them. It's a little relaxing. You know, you have some hard games against Dallas. You take take a take a little time off, play the Lakeside Liberty. In between, they go to Connecticut. That's going to be a marquee matchup. All right, so that's it. Connecticut this week. And M, where does everybody find you as they're perusing out there looking for women's basketball and WNBA info? Of course, they can always find me at thenexthoops.com. Of course, we're in the daily briefing on the storm. I'm also directing whatever special projects come up with us throughout the year. You find me, as you mentioned, you'll find me in your inbox if you subscribe to us many times a week. As well, you can find me on Twitter at M underscore at Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening and watching and getting all of your women's hoops info right here at Lockdown Women's Basketball. You can find me, Missy Hydrick, at Missy Hydrick on Twitter and all of my amazing colleagues and everything and all the information that you want at the next two. Follow us there at the next hoops and at Lockdown Women's Basketball. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board, host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, an author of the NBA Big Board newsletter, is joined by Richard Stamen, Matt Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, which is coming up in just a couple weeks, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Stay tuned all week. We have got you covered.